Hey everyone, welcome back to Facially Conscious with myself, Trina Renee, esthetician, and Rebecca Gadbury, the cosmetic ingredient guru, highly acclaimed educator, and award-winning journalist. She is the cosmetic industry leader. We are gathered here together with you to talk about this crazy world of aesthetics. It's confusing out there in this big, wide world. That's why we're here, to help explain it to you all, subject by subject. We will be your go-to girls, and from our perspective, without giving medical advice, we will keep things facially conscious. Let's get started. Good morning, good morning. How are you? Welcome back to Facially Conscious. We are very excited for this episode. We just found out some information last week about Sephora. And so we, our team did some research and we rushed into the studio to record this episode and drop it today. So I am here with my dear co-host, Rebecca, I'm Trina, and only the two of us could get in here quickly to record this episode for you guys because it's important information about Sephora and a lawsuit that's happening right now. Um, Dr. Vicky is in Nashville at a top secret Daxify conference that we're gonna drop some breaking news uh, later this week, so stay tuned for that. And um, Julie's out gallivanting around for her birthday. Doing what Julie does. <laughs> <Yes>. Gallivant. <laughs> gallivanting. Um, so we are here today to speak to you about the Sephora lawsuit. And we did some research and, and we'll let you know kind of what's going on. So, Rebecca, I'm going to let you take the reins on this one. Okie dokie. <laughs> well, it's really interesting because this is probably the first of a series of class action lawsuits that are going to be brought against those brands that make claims for clean beauty. And we could actually see this coming because clean beauty is an unregulated claim. In other words, the government does not define it. It's defined by the brand itself. Mm -hmm. And so when you do something like that, if you don't provide a definition for the consumer, it can be very misleading. I think of it as, well, when you make a claim like clean, you define it differently than I define it, then... You mean like the way I describe what clean is and the way you describe what clean is, so two different things. Right, it's like the and way... it's not regulated. It's not regulated, so it's not, it's nobody's, you know, loss or gain. So how can you sue anyone for that? that? Well, that's what's interesting about this, but I like to think of this kind of thing as lasagna, and lasagna. lasagna. My lasagna recipe, your lasagna recipe, yours at home who's listening right now or in your car, wherever you are, your lasagna recipe and a frozen lasagna recipe, all different, but we all call them lasagna. Uh -huh. And when we say lasagna, we know pretty much what it is. But my aunt used to make lasagna with Velveeta cheese. Ew. I know. It was... <laughs> It was so gross. This was back in the 50s. But 
gross. <laughs> you get my idea there, right? Uh-huh. You get my attempt. She put noodles and then Velveeta cheese. Oh, yeah. It and was some like so canned awful. sauce. Can- oh, <laughs> sometimes ketchup. <laughs> oh. <laughs> my stomach just turned over. I know, I know. So, but you get the drift. And then you have Stouffer's lasagna, oh which I love. I grew up on Stouffer's lasagna. So that was always <laughs> lasagna to me. And then when I got older, I married a lovely gentleman. His mother gave me her recipe for lasagna. She was from Greece. So I make (laughs) Greek lasagna. Yum. Yes. (laughs) So it's all different. I'm crying. There's Uh, there's feta in the Greek lasagna. (laughs) Actually, yes, there is. But uh, there's also, never mind. This isn't really about lasagna. This is only a metaphor. But it stands for all the differences in regulatory terms. Mm Mm-hmm that are defined versus those that are not defined. For instance, natural is another one of these that aren't defined. So what natural means to you and to me and to somebody sitting listening to this podcast are three different things. So it's up to the brand to define what natural is. Well, the same thing is true with with, uh, clean. Uh What's different is that there are now attorneys that specialize in going after these unregulated claims with companies who make them and then defining them in a way that leaves them open for lawsuits. And this is a really good example of this kind of a lawsuit. It's called a class action lawsuit. This is where one person or a group of individuals who are identified in the lawsuit mm-hmm. make a claim or, or bring a lawsuit, bring a claim against a company, but also say, and all other individuals that may be affected by this. Which is everyone who buys from Sephora. Or who have bought a product with a clean, it's called Clean at Sephora label. Right. And some of you who are listening may have bought Clean at Sephora or the Ulta Clean line or from Credo Beauty or there's a number of them out there on the market now Mm -hmm. that are making clean beauty claims. I think we talked about that during our first or second podcast this season or episode this season. So if you want to acclimate or... Where we talk about clean beauty. Yeah. yeah, There's a whole episode on it. Yeah. I think it's our first one. I think it is, but I think we might rerun that while we're on... um, family leave, as I like to call it, which is coming up in the next uh, several weeks. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that might be a good one to drop uh, next week after this one drops because it'll follow the clean beauty. Oh, it's episode 15. Episode 15. Uh But it's the first episode for the season. Yeah. 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 So anyway, um, this is a class action lawsuit that was brought by um, a disgruntled shopper. And some of these disgruntled shoppers on these types of lawsuits are actually sent in by the attorneys to buy these kind of products. So they basically set the stage for the lawsuit. Right. Okay. Uh, They're usually settled out of court. Mm -hmm. And when this happens, the lawyers make the most money. Then the person or people who are named in the lawsuit and then the all other people don't get anything. Mm. Okay, so it it depends upon how it's settled. And in New York, when you bring a class action lawsuit, you can bring a class action lawsuit that is not a well-described marketing practice, but it doesn't have to be well-described to bring the lawsuit. 
and then you say in the lawsuit, which this lawsuit does, we want a jury trial, which makes it extremely expensive to defend Mm -hmm. and also gives you a likelihood that you won't win as the as the one being the defendant the one being so so if sephora settled out of court that's just going to open up for many many lawsuits against other companies who are claiming clean beauty yes and if they go to court then they probably won't win or they well based on this lawsuit which Industry insiders are calling dubious and frivolous. And after reviewing the lawsuit, which you can find online, by the way, mm-hmm. we'll we'll put a little note in there, uh, a link under the podcast notes, so you Taylor. can find it. <laughs> so, uh, so you could read it. It's only eleven pages, and it's it's rather interesting as far as case law is concerned. But uh, the lawyer who brought this is named Spencer Sheehan, and he's a Sheehan and Associates out of New York, and he is also known as the Vanilla Vigilante. He brings more of these types of class action lawsuits based on erroneous ingredients or claims than any other lawyer in New York. Mm. As a matter of fact, at one point I read there was an estimate of at least half of the claims that were brought between 2021 and 20, 2020 and 2021 were claims brought by him. Mm. And then the rest of them were brought by all the other attorneys that specialize in this kind of law. So he's a specialist in this. And the reason he's called the vanilla ju- uh, vigilante is because he's filed over 120 lawsuits. I think it could be close to 200 at this point against companies using the claim contains vanilla when it contains a little tiny bit of natural vanilla, but a lot of imitation vanilla. Mm. And so he's come after these companies. And the courts are getting wise to this kind of a lawsuit Mm -hmm. because they're starting to rule against his clients. Mm. So we'll see how this goes. But it's, He's found it, a little niche niche for himself, hasn't he? Not only a niche, he specializes in this. This is, I think, all he does. I couldn't find anything else. So, um, I don't think I like that. Well, you know, I don't like it either. And, and I've noticed a trend. You know, my family owns a manufacturing company that's an international company for skincare manufacturing. Mm-hmm. We have a, about, oh, at the beginning of COVID, up until about late fall of last year, we had several companies that were being contacted by these kind of attorneys, not only in the United States, but in Australia and Europe. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think there was one actually in South Africa uh, that um, said, you know, we believe you are operating under deceptive marketing practices and we want this amount of money to not take you to court. Oh my God. So the lawsuit was never filed, but it was threatened. Mm-hmm. And in most of the cases, they were either settled or the company said, we don't have the money to settle, so we're going to have to fight you because they came after small companies. Wow. In this case, they're coming after Sephora, which is globally a $10, million or $10 billion a year retailer. Right. In the United States alone, they do half their billion, uh, half of their their uh Sales, so it's a five billion dollar uh, revenue company wow. in the United States, and they have hundreds of brands, as anybody who knows Sephora is. So, 
the the interest in fighting this lawsuit is very high as far as the industry is concerned. You think Sephora will fight it? I'm hoping they do because I think they realize that if they don't fight it and they lose, well, if they don't fight it and they settle, which is what can happen. I don't think it's going to happen in this instance. It's too high profile and the claims are too weak and in some cases not even valid. And we'll go through that in just a second. What are the claims? Let me me finish. But if they settle out of court, then it's going to encourage Sheehan and a bunch of other attorneys like this to file more lawsuits against companies making clean claims. And this is one of the biggest claims. And it's going to get bigger between now and 2028. I think it's the the largest claim, marketing claim, that is uh, underlying the sales for for the cosmetic industry in the next five years, five or six years. Mm. So we can see a lot more of these claims. On the other hand, if they fight it and they win, well, if they lose, we're going to get more of these claims or more of these uh, lawsuits as well. And you'll see a backing off of clean beauty right? or a much stricter... uh, and more in-your-face, consumer um, reachable or, or available um, definition of clean beauty rather than just clean beauty. The companies will very strictly define it. Right. Uh, but if they win, if Sephora wins, then it backs off of these types of lawsuits. And that's why the industry is very heavily invested in this at this point. Right. And I got to tell you, as you know, but as our listeners don't know, this was like a wildfire of, of breaking news last week when oh, it yeah. hit the industry. When yes. this lawsuit hit, all of the trade magazines knew about it. All of the podcasts uh, for the industry knew about it. We right. all talked about it. Yep. And so when I, when our team went in and, and I went in to research this, there was so much information available on it already. But, you know, last night I was sitting in bed re- reviewing my notes for this, uh-huh. and I thought, this doesn't sound quite kosher. This sounds like some lawsuits that were threatened last year. So I went up. In and I, I Googled Spencer Sheehan online, and if you do that, oh my goodness, you will find so much information about this guy. This is how he makes his money. So, and no, I, I don't think it's ethical either, but it's not our place to judge. Well, I guess it is our place to I judge him. I wonder if him, he goes to the same court and has the same judge. That, I don't think you can do that. I no? No, he's, he's not a former president. I don't think he can do that. <laughs> That was sarcastic. I apologize <laughs> to anybody I may have affronted, but, but, uh, and that isn't true about our former president either. <laughs> what but former president? What are former we president about? are we talking about? Um, <laughs> to put the politics aside, yeah. actually, this is kind of political. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? It's so huge. let's talk about the what. Uh-huh. This is a disgruntled shopper who claims that she went in and she, um, uh, bought a product under that was sold under the clean banner at Sephora. And she uh, found out that the product that she bought, which in the lawsuit is claimed to be a mascara, uh, was not clean. Because as they claim in the lawsuit, the consumer defines clean 
as a dictionary definition of pure without contamination. Okay. And they also claim that the consumer understands clean to not contain synthetics, which is not the definition of clean and is not Sephora's definition of clean. Mm-hmm. And if you go in and you look on the Sephora website, and they may have taken it down by now, but up until this week, Sephora has had on their website and readily available, and you could also ask in the stores when you go. Uh, so whether you buy in the store or you buy online, you have access to their definition of clean. Mm-hmm. And we can also put access to that um, as a link uh, on, on our site. Mm-hmm. But the way that they define clean, and let me look this up because I looked it up. Clean at Sephora category only features products that are free from more than 50 ingredients that have been linked to human health issues. These include parabens, phthalates, mineral oil, formaldehyde, sulfates, BHA, ethanolamines, DEA, TEA, MEA, ETA, toluene, carbon black, mercury, and mercury compounds, aluminum salts, lead, and lead acetate, among others. Now, we discussed these kind of ingredients in episode 15 that we just talked about. So if you're interested, listen to that episode again. Some of these ingredients... So they're saying none of their products contain... None of their clean... Clean products products contain those ingredients. ingredients. Right. What the lawsuit claim... And they never say, we don't contain synthetic ingredients it's almost impossible not to have a synthetic ingredient in a cosmetic and have it be properly preserved, Mm -hmm. making it safe for consumers. Mm -hmm. So the concept of clean uh, without synthetic uh, chemicals, which the case argues, which the claimant argues, Mm -hmm. is not true. They don't define it. Sephora does not define it as no synthetic. But they're claiming that the consumer is going to automatically think it's no synthetics. I don't know how many consumer even know or understand the term synthetic. I honestly think this was a setup. It doesn't sound like a consumer would go in and buy something and like go to the depth to find this lawyer. Right. And like for know even what to look for. Well, the damages to her, she's claiming that because this claim was made, she paid more for it. So she paid, what, $25 for it, whereas it could have been $18. So let me see. She goes in, she buys this product, and then because she lost $7, she finds this attorney in New York (laughs) that specializes. That that just is a little bit straining on the credibility or believability. Yeah. So this, they also claim in the lawsuit that there are several ingredients in the lawsuit, and I think I'm going to write about this in the blog, so I'll go into it in more detail because we don't really have the time here. Yeah, yeah. But there's there's more ingredients that are discussed in the lawsuit polyglycerol 6-disterate, which they say is a byproduct in biodiesel production. Well, yeah, it is, but so are a number of other ingredients. But those are are using, it's called uh, using ingredients, I forget now what the term is, but it's part of the green manufacturing process so that you don't have a lot of waste. Right. You use it instead, and then you clean it for contaminants. So it doesn't have anything similar to biodiesel, but it's a byproduct. Just like, you know, if you were to make um, 
uh, something in your kitchen and you have like you you make Isn't, artichokes further that brand that does a hand soap yes uh, they, they do that too yeah yeah they use and there's olive production that yeah you're just it, but it but the they're taking it as the main ingredient, just like Botox, botulism, right. like the whole like, oh, you're putting poison in your face, but it's actually not. They're but using not. a different part yeah. of it. Yeah. Right, right, right. And and mm-hmm. so this leads to a lot of not only dubious, you know, I question this, but it also puts this at a very, as a very risky lawsuit. And mm-hmm. I would be surprised if the judge if this was taken to court, if the judge didn't say this is ridiculous and kick it out. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's getting headlines. Um, yeah. And it's causing people to think, which I think the clean industry really does need to do. And and one of the reasons is because the clean industry is built on coming after mainstream brands for using unclean ingredients. And now one of the leaders in this is being accused of using unclean ingredients. Right. I find that really ironic, don't you? I mean, I also think that, you know, simply put, the main uh, group of people that shop at Sephora are now going to question Yes. Sephora. So it's it's like they're not going to quite trust them because there's this lawsuit right. that's coming against them. Now they're like, mm, I don't know if I trust you, Sephora. And it's yeah. going to really damage Sephora, even if it's not true. They're just like, you know, it's just like when, when somebody came out with one article about parabens and it ruined parabens. Oh, forever. yeah. And that was <laughs> that was paid for by the industry that didn't want parabens in products. Right. And that became a huge thing. And now we have a backlash because we found out that a lot of the the preservatives that came in to replace parabens are terrible. Right. And now we have a a problem, whereas parabens have a history of safety that goes to the 1930s. Right. So it's a, that's another issue. So I feel like just, you know, a basic blanket over this whole Sephora thing is that, consumers aren't going to trust Sephora completely now. Well, it depends on how things go. Well, hopefully they'll be able to fight it and defend it. And it's got enough legs to it, enough attention called to it by consumers, because it was on the evening news Mm -hmm. last week. So uh, I don't see how Sephora settles this out of court. I think they take it. But they also... One of the mistakes that they made in this lawsuit, and I think it's a mistake, but it's also typical of what Sheehan does, is he comes after individual ingredients like he did with the vanilla lawsuit. Mm-hmm. He's also the guy that sued Pop-Tarts for strawberry Pop-Tarts not having strawberries in them or something like that. Oh, really? I forget what the lawsuit actually was, but it was pretty well known a couple of years ago. So he's he's made his bones on this type of thing. Yeah. So... Uh, it, it seems was really easy to do. Like you could yeah. really attack so many different things. Of course you can. Just you for could. saying the wrong words. And I, I think that's what a, a lot of this type of thing is. So, but what they did was they named individual ingredients that the FDA, well, the industry has paid for to study for safety for years. And the FDA has said what they said as far as safety is concerned. So the FDA says as long as you use an ingredient and and, uh, FTC and and certain other regulatory agencies, as long as you use an ingredient as used in the industry at the percentages or lower, you're fine with this ingredient. And 
he named several ingredients, including one that he said had never been studied for safety, but I found the safety report. It was published in 1990. So it was published so long ago, he may not have found it. Oh. So, yeah. On which ingredient do you remember? Yeah, I do. It was, uh, hold on just a second, uh, phenylethyl alcohol. And it's an ingredient that has a nice scent to it. It's used up to in concentrations up to one percent. It can be added to a fragrance or used separately, mm. and uh, it's very safe. But he said that it hadn't been its safety hasn't been proven. Well, it has. All you have to do is look online for these ingredients. You know, Environmental Working Group with their Skin Deep report. Yeah, they also list a number of the ingredients he says are problematic as one to three category, which is very safe to um, not enough information to show safety. But overall, if you use it as as intended, then it's safe. Right. Because we know from history. So I think the takeaway in this lawsuit Mm -hmm. is several things. Um, The ingredients cited in the suit are examples of a little information is a dangerous thing, which is basically what clean beauty is based on. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a little bit of information. Oh, there's toxic ingredients in our products. Toxins, as we discussed in that episode on clean beauty, are poisonous. These things aren't poisonous. They may be allergens, but that applies specifically to individuals. Or they could be irritants. I know we've got um, an episode coming up next year on sulfates, which can be irritants if used with hot water or at certain percentages. We'll go into that later. Right. So it depends on the way you use them too. And an ingredient should never be, um, unless it's totally unsafe, it's a carcinogen or something like that, you can't judge an ingredient safety out of context, and in this case, outside of the formula it's being put in. So when you look at an ingredient, you need to look at the percentage used, how long right. it's left on the skin, mm-hmm. what are the other ingredients. So if you say phenylethyl alcohol is problem at 90%, it's never used at 90%. It's used at 1% or less with other ingredients that can also counteract any irritation. Right. So, and it's usually used in products that are temporarily on the skin. Right. uh, Unless it's in a fragrance or something. Secondly, it takes the safety info out of context, which is what I just said. Mm -hmm. Safety is not based on individual ingredients, but the total formula it's an example of misunderstanding chemistry, which is taking advantage not only of unregulated claims, which is what clean beauty is, mm-hmm. but it's also consumers' science naivete, which goes to listening to our podcast and others like it to become better consumers of science-based products, Right, which is what skincare is. Yes, I Agreed, 100%. Okay. So you'll write a blog deeper a on blog. this. And we'll also... And it'll be on our website, faciallyconscious.com. Right. And you can also go to Instagram uh-huh. for Facially Conscious to look at all the drops we're going to do next week on this. We'll take different portions of the lawsuit and highlight them so that you can learn more about them. Yes. Awesome. You like that? Yes. I Yay. love it. All right. Well, thanks, you guys, for listening to our breaking news about this Sephora thing. And we'll, um, you know, be careful out there. <laughs> it's a wild, 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 wild west. west. <laughs>
hilarious. <laughs> All right, you guys have a good day. Bye. Bye. That was totally unscripted. <laughs> I know. So funny. All right, well, there you go. There you go. Wasn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. High five. High five. Punch. <laughs> This podcast is so needed in the world right now. There's so much information out there that it's hard to know who to believe and if it's right for you. We are very excited to be your guides and bring you Facially Conscious. You can find info we talked about today in our show notes and on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Please subscribe, like, and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps others find us. And if you have any questions or ideas, please send us an email at infofaciallyconscious.com. At